0: Well the last time he was up, just in this inning, they got him out. A pop foul to Al Rose.
1: The first time that the Indians have gotten dark out today. In 1954 it took a truly historic season to dethrone the Yankees, who were five-time defending world champions. Although they won 103 games, the Cleveland Indians won a then-American League record 111. The Indians were led by center fielder Larry Doby, the first African-American player in the AL. 3rd baseman Al Rosen, and slugger Vic Wirtz. Their pitching staff was anchored by Early Wynn, Bob Lemon, and Bob Feller. In the National League, the pennant winners were the underdog New York Giants, who won 97 games, once again beating out the Brooklyn Dodgers.
0: Now we head into the first half of the 8th inning. The score tied Cleveland 2, New York 2. Larry Doby
1: will be leading off for the end. The Giants drew over 1.15 million fans to the polo grounds, second in the National League. Built in a hollow overlooking Coogan's Bluff, near the western shore of the Harlem River in Washington Heights, a Polo Grounds ballpark had been on this site in Manhattan since 1890. The quirky park was shaped like a bathtub. It was only 280 feet from home plate down the left field line, and only 260 feet down the right. Centerfield, however, was over 480 feet away, But the surrounding neighborhood was changing, and Giants owner, Horace Stoneham, began to wonder if he could draw more fans elsewhere. In the eighth inning of game one, the score was tied at two. Cleveland's Al Rosen and Larry Dobie had both reached base on Giants pitcher, Sal Magley. Vic Wertz came to bat. Wurtz hit a ball to deep center field, where Giants superstar Willie Mays was playing. Mays Mays ran straight backwards and caught the ball over his shoulder with his back to the field later nicknamed the Catch, it changed the entire complexion of the series. The Giants would go on to sweep the Indians to claim the 1954 World Series title. It would be their last World Championship in New York. Baseball's economic model was changing. As great as the Yankees were, their dominance over the game created a leak problem. The G.I. Bill was bringing families to the suburbs in the 1950s, and most of these families were white. Radio and TV were embedding deeper and deeper into local markets. Major League cities were struggling to support two teams. After the 1952 season, the NL's Boston Braves, unable to compete with the Red Sox, moved to Milwaukee and won the World Series in five years. The AL St. Louis Browns moved to Baltimore after the 53 season and became the Orioles, where they won six American League pennants in their first 30 years. The next year, the Philadelphia Athletics moved to Kansas City, where they would remain until moving again to Oakland in 1968. Oakland won three consecutive championships in the early 1970s. Although fans of every other team loved to hate the Yankees, the franchise was a lightning rod for celebrities and other heroes. Throughout the years, Mel Allen had many interesting guests in the booth, like noted Pirates fan Bing Crosby.
2: Ted Williams up here. We kind of like Ted Williams out our way it's from California, you know. He broke in with San Diego, had his biggest minor league success out there. But of course, Joe DiMaggio is our real pet, our real favorite. Born and raised in San Francisco, down around Fisherman's Wharf. Ted, I don't think, is a native son. There's an interesting thing here with uh, Paige
0: and uh, Williams uh, being. There's always a little personal feud going on. There's nothing yeah. in the way of any animosity, but Paige has always been able to pitch to Williams pretty good, and Ted's well, always anxious to get a
2: base hit off of him. Well, any time a left-hander can get a base hit off a left-handed pitcher, it's quite an accomplishment at that. I guess Ted hits any kind of pitching. Here's the first pitch to him. It's called strike two out there's men on first and third and Joe Page is pitching to Ted Williams in the first half of the sixth inning the Red Sox leading four to nothing Ted stands up there with that wide stance steady calm cool collected flexes that big mace and here's the pitch to him he hits a high fly going up in the left field should be an easy chance but John know oh, he has to go back a little the wind got it and he had to take it over his shoulder on a nice running catch looked like an easy fly out, but uh, that ball got up in the breeze. The breeze is blown right to left out here and he had to uh, take it on the dead run over his left shoulder. Gave the fans a little thrill sitting up in the stands here. So it wasn't easy out that it originally appeared to be. So that ends the inning the first half of the sixth for the Boston Red Sox. I don't think there was any hits. There's two walks and uh, two men left. That's right. No runs, no hits, no
0: errors. Two men left. Bing. Yeah, man. I think they ought to be, they ought to make a pic- picture call. the brothers to man, Joe, and you play, uh, you play Joe and let Cro- uh, uh, Hope play uh,
2: Dominique, why I'm, about that? I'm an infielder, though. <laughs> Second baseman. I can go to my right, too, for a ground ball. Can't make the throw, but I can go over there. <laughs> well, friends, you've been
0: listening uh, to Bing Crosby, who's out here today as the guest of Del Webb, owner of the New York Yankees, uh, watching the opening day festivities here at the stadium and doing a guest inning, and I certainly would like to repeat that we're naturally very proud, very privileged to have had that
2: honor, Bing. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Mel, and I just hope I wasn't too confusing to the thousands of listeners you must have here in the metropolitan area. Listen, I was getting I ready. I want to congratulate you on the great job you did uh, during the World Series. Really a wonderful performance.
0: Thanks a million, Bing. You're I ahead. hope uh, we have the chance of getting back into one again.
2: I imagine I'll hear you.
0: I was just going to say, I was on the verge of going out and picketing the place when you got on the air. You knock off a mean, hunky inning. <laughs> <Sure. laughs> and I can't sing. I mean, I don't- nobody knows who's playing when I get through. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bing Crosby. Thank you, much.
1: The team the Yankees often defeated in the World Series, the Brooklyn Dodgers, who lost to the Yankees in 1941, 47, 49, 52, and 53. But in 1955, the tide finally turned, and the bums from Brooklyn became world champions.
0: Now he looks in the right Campanella. Nobody on, two out. The Dodgers leading two to nothing. This is the last half of the ninth inning. Johnny Padres into his windup in the 2-2 pitch. A let-up curve, a ground ball to the left side. Peewee Reese has it. The throw to first, and he's out. And the Dodgers win by a score of 2-0. Fine play by Peewee Reese, and uh, out in front of the mound, they're grabbing Johnny Padres. They're pummeling him, pushing him around. The final score is Dodgers, two runs, five hits, no errors. The Yankees, no runs, eight hits and one error. Bill Coram will review the highlights of
1: today's. Later retired Hall of Fame player and then broadcaster Frankie Frisch was inside the Brooklyn Dodgers clubhouse speaking to the victorious team.
0: This is a real treat to have the president of the Brooklyn Dodgers, I should say the world's champions, Mr. Mr. Walter O'Malley. What do you think of your boys now, Walter? Well, Frank, we're very proud of them, and I'm delighted for all our wonderful Brooklyn fans in Brooklyn, Long Island, New Jersey, all over, that at long last we've brought this world's championship to Brooklyn. And without Buzzy and Fresco in the front office, and their wonderful stabs, Walter Austin and his great coaches and these fine players, Frank, it couldn't have been done. But I'm mighty God-brown of the whole bunch of them. <laughs> well, you parties. should be. They did a wonderful job. And congratulations <laughs> to you, Mr. Well, Reese. Thank you, Mr. Ward and All right, we got a great little guy here. Come on up, Captain. Hello, okay. Hey, fans, here's a great guy. Uh, Mr. Pee-wee Captain Reese did a tremendous job. Hey. How about the Padres, Frank? They wasn't that tremendous. Was, I never thought a had so much courage that boy had. I was just that? talking to the commissioner here, and we got talking about, about the, every pitch. Whenever he uh, took that wind up, he looked so determined as much yeah. to say, i got to get this guy out. i got to get him out.
2: I don't know how he thought, but
0: every pitch, it seemed like there was more tension built up on its side of me, so I'm sure it was on him. Hey. I waited
2: a long time for this. Oh, brother, you're a grand guy. Lots of luck to you, Billy. I get my face
0: home. Come on, Roy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Roy. Roy. Fans, Roy Campanella. Hi, Frankie. Hey. Oh. Did you get any hits today? Yeah, I got a little double there. I saw you hit one down that left field line. You got that bat right into that ball, and it felt pretty good, didn't it? Hey, Frank is tough to see in this ballpark. Don't help me. Hey, Padre, saw pretty good. Tell us something about it. now. You, you're the fellow that caught. Johnny Padres. Yeah. B- believe it or not, Frankie, uh, every pitch I called, Phil, he threw. Except the last pitch, I wanted him to throw a fastball. And he shipped me off. He said he wanted to throw a change. So he threw the change and got it got out. out. But yes, I he mean, did. he had such so fine control. He had, of had everything. Fun? Everything. He looked like-
1: Two years later, owner Walter O'Malley was in a dispute with New York City's Park Commissioner Robert Moses. Ebbets Field, open since 1913, was falling apart. The on-field success of the Dodgers and the population explosion in Brooklyn had made Ebbets Field too small. The 1957 seating capacity was a tiny 32,000. Yankee Stadium could seat nearly double. O'Malley wanted to build a stadium at the intersection of Flatbush and Atlantic Avenues in Brooklyn. Robert Moses wanted to move the team to Flushing Meadows Corona Park in Queens. O'Malley refused. Moses wouldn't grant O'Malley the rights to build on the land. O'Malley threatened to move the Dodgers 3,000 miles away to Los Angeles if Moses didn't cave. Moses refused. O'Malley then convinced Giants owner, Horace Stoneham to follow him to the West Coast. After the 1957 season, the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles, and the Giants to San Francisco. Flushing Meadows has been home to the New York Mets since 1964. The intersection of Flatbush and Atlantic Avenues is today occupied by the Barclays Center, home of the NBA's Brooklyn Nets. Unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. On January 18, 1958, Dodgers catcher Roy Campanella was getting ready to report to spring training for his first season in Los Angeles. He was driving home to Glen Cove, New York, when his rented 1957 Chevrolet hit a patch of ice. The car skidded into a telephone pole and overturned, breaking his neck. Roy Campanella required the use of a wheelchair for the rest of his life.